0: Welcome to Strength for the Journey from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau. It's Christmas time when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, when God was made manifest in human form. One of the questions that arises this time of year is why? Why did God choose to do this? Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun to help us understand. So please
1: stand as we continue our series on Hope Restored in the Gospel of Mark. And we turn to 11.11, it's Mark chapter 11, verse 11. How can we have our hope restored today? We just had a wonderful church family Thanksgiving lunch with 550 people, with some people in costume for a great celebration. The retail stores uh, already started their bombardment of non-religious decorations, including the Grinch, who traditionally does not give us hope. Uh, So when we walk the malls of Oahu, um, from where does our hope come? Why does hope come to us during Christmas? It's because God came to Earth in the form of Jesus Christ on Christmas Day? And why did God decide to make an in-person appearance on earth for 33 plus years? So if you're taking notes, it's for three basic reasons. To demonstrate up close his presence, his power, and his purpose. Now let's look at each of those. First, presence. Probably the easiest one to understand. God came to earth 2,000 years ago to be present with us. For three decades, He walked this earth, and for three years, He went public with His ministry. His disciples could see up close and personal what He was really like. If you really want to know what God is like, study Jesus. In the Gospel stories, in the Bible, you'll find Him welcoming to all. Whether you're a well-established centurion or a woman caught in adultery or a woman who had five husbands or a leper with sores all over his body or a person in poverty or a dishonest tax collector called Zacchaeus or common fishermen like Peter, James, and John, you'll see that Jesus loved children. And he loved the poor and he loved the rich and he loved the immoral. He loved Those afflicted with many demons like Mary Magdalene. He loved the bustling and hardworking like Martha. And he loved her sister Mary of Bethany who wanted just to chill and sit and learn. He always had his eye on the outsider. The widow, the prisoner, the poor, and the immigrant to the land. He taught forgiveness and nonviolence and peace and unity and love. If you're here today thinking, what is God really like? Would I trust him if I knew him better? Then think about Jesus, read about him, study him. God in Jesus actually visited this earth. For many of us, if we wanted a God in this universe, it would be like Jesus. Now, did he ever get mad? Yes. That's why he overturned tables in the temple courts. That Bible scene from our reading today takes place in the court of the Gentiles at the temple. The tables and money changers were blocking unchurched people, the outsiders, the Gentiles from getting to know God. And Jesus Jesus didn't like it that people had to buy their way in by having to exchange their money for temple money at an exorbitant price to be used for animals for sacrificing. Jesus used the fig tree in our scripture passage as a metaphor for the temple that was no longer fruitful, was not focused on real prayer, dead, withered in its passion to help people know God. He also knew if we chose a life that blocked him, it would not be good and our lives would be like a fig tree withered from the roots. Presence. Jesus wanted us to see and know what God is really like. So he came to earth to show us to be with us. When we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, know that Emmanuel means that means God with us, his presence. In-person presence is always important. Think about it. When country leaders wanna talk about something important, they fly to see each other in person, right? They don't dial in or use email or FaceTime or Facebook. I mean, we have the technology, but when it's really important, you wanna be there in the same room with the person you need to talk to. Presence. And when Jesus was here on earth in human form, he was really like us. He felt physical and emotional pain. He was tempted but never sinned. He wept when he lost a loved one. He was betrayed, misunderstood, and people plotted to kill him. He was tortured and beaten for no reason. His favorite name for himself was not son of God, But son of man, because he wanted us to know of his humanity, that he really understands our pain and went through it like we have and would, even though he's divine. He has great empathy and sympathy, so we need to know that when we pray to him. The interesting thing is that God could have chosen to be a distant God. He didn't have to come here to earth. He could have been detached from the people he created. He could have just said, okay, I created you, so go do your thing. But he chose to come down and show his love in person, which leads to point number two, power. When he was here on earth, he could show us his power as God. He could physically heal lepers. He could raise people from the dead. He could heal a young boy like Danner, who almost died, as we heard in the Advent testimony of Jeremy and Megan Lim. Jesus could cast out demons. And like in our Bible passage, he could make a tree wither with just a word, like boom, power. He could calm seas. If I wanted a God, Wouldn't I want someone like Jesus? Now, some of you are here today maybe trying to figure out if you can trust or believe in Jesus. And I ask, what more would you want in a God? The incredible thing about God coming to earth is that he came in such a gentle, humble way, born not in a hospital or a house, but in a manger, in a stable because there was no room at the inn. So think about this. In their humility, did Mary or Joseph ever pull rank and say, do you have any idea of who Mary is giving birth to? So throw out your best customer to make room for us. Give us the presidential suite. No, this baby is coming. It's the big one, the real bambino, the baby of all babies, the big bambucha. So roll out the red carpet for us. Hey, and by the way, we don't want shepherds like greeting him when he's born. We want the head of the Chamber of Commerce. We want the mayor of Bethlehem to be here. So isn't it interesting that the arrival of Jesus came in such a humble way, almost God incognito. And that's why I believe Jesus is the Messiah. For he doesn't come like some insecure world leader or a narcissistic CEO. He's different. He has the power and the authority, but he comes gently, humbly, and grows up to be a young man and only shows a controlled anger when outcasts of life are jeopardized or people use legalism to burden them and block them. And get this, through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we can witness his supernatural power to love the unlovable and through prayer help people get supernaturally healed and hear God's prophetic voice. Here at First prayers, we are committed to training people in that power, which leads to the third reason Jesus came, purpose. Jesus wants us to follow him, but why? What's our purpose? If Jesus wants us to follow him, is it because we have our hand out to get as much as we can from an all-powerful present God? Or is there something else going on? Why does Jesus overthrow the tables? It meant someone messed up on the purpose of God's temple. The religious leaders went off strategy. They were not on mission. Their purpose was to make money. They went Commercial, like our Christmas season in America, they were a withered, shriveled fig tree. And 2,000 years later, it's still really hard to hear the real Christmas message. I agree with what Chris Pan said last Sunday. There are two Christmases, one that is highly commercial, which focuses a lot on what we hope to get, and and that we show our love to others by the things we give. And then there's this other Christmas, which is the reality. Christmas is about Jesus coming to earth. We can get distracted with the parties we want to go to or have to go to and forget that this season is really all about Jesus' birth, that our loving Lord has come to earth. And rather than focusing on Advent, And preparing our hearts to ramp up to Christmas, we can put our attention on the other Advent, the playoffs for college football (laughs) and the NFL. As I said before, in America, the football season is the new modern day Advent ramping up to the holiest of holy days in the country, Super Bowl which might be more attended and more watched than all the Christmas Eve services in the United States. The three wise men of Christmas have been replaced by the three wise coaches of the universities of Alabama and Clemson and Georgia, known as, in the middle, St. Nick (laughs) Saban, St. Dabo Sweeney, and St. Kirby Smart. At least in the top four college teams this Advent, we have the Virgin Mary featured because of Notre Dame being in the playoffs. (laughs) Again, so what is that third word? Purpose. What is our purpose? Is it to get as many goodies as we can from God? If Jesus, who is God, comes to this earth, what is our purpose? Jesus desires us to use his divine power to help others. He actually gives to his followers his Holy Spirit power to heal and to help and to strengthen and to comfort and to encourage. Remember, just before he left, just before he left, some 33 years after the first Christmas, he said this, but you will receive... Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Maybe we can show the verse up on there. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Power. It was always supposed to be that we have a purpose to go out and be the presence of Jesus in this world and to use his power to demonstrate that. And people are to witness us in using the power of his spirit to love the unlovable, to forgive the unforgivable, to actually heal, heal and pray that someone would be miraculously healed. That was always what we were supposed to do, which is the title of the sermon. That is why Jesus came to this earth that we might be agents of his presence, power, and purpose. People are despairing to find a community centered on that purpose, a community of Christians that actually has the power of the Holy Spirit and has the presence of God in their souls. That's the purpose. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, let me close with this true story that will hopefully put it all together. Two weeks ago, a man named Andrew Fitzgerald died in Aurora, Colorado. He was 87. You may not know the name, but he was a great man. Andrew Fitzgerald was the last surviving member of a Coast Guard crew that back in 1952 rescued 32 of 33 merchant seamen who were found clinging to a piece of a tanker that had split in half off Cape Cod. We have the former commandant, the highest ranking officer of the Coast Guard here at First Pres, and he might tell you that what Andrew Fitzgerald did was part of what many call the greatest small boat rescue in the history of the Coast Guard. It was made into a Disney film in 2016 called The Finest Hours, starring Chris Pine. And so it was on February 18, 1952, that the 503-foot tanker called Pendleton, with 41 crewmen headed towards Boston from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They got hit with a huge northeastern storm. Waves taller than a six-story building hit them, and winds exceeding 80 miles per hour with blinding snow pelted them. By 4 a.m., the waves were breaking over the stern. Suddenly, around 5.50 a.m., The Pendleton shuddered violently and broke in two. Many of the seamen scrambled topside and somehow they clung to that half ship that remained afloat for 14 hours. No one knew they were there off the East Coast. They had no time to send out an SOS from the bridge, no transmitter in the stern where the 33 men were. The captain and the seven others floated away on the other half of the ship in a haunting, eerie way. But some, with a portable radio receiver, heard that another tanker named Fort Mercer with 43 men on board had radioed an SOS From 20 miles offshore, the Fort Mercer also had split in two during the storm. They, too, were in trouble. So Coast Guard vessels and planes were dispatched to find the Fort Mercer. Hours, many hours later, a radar station discovered there were four pieces of ships floating out there. And two of them must be the Pendleton. So a second rescue operation had to get underway after all the rest had already put to sea, and four Coast Guard, four Coast Guardsmen, including Andrew Fitzgerald, volunteered, they weren't ordered, they volunteered to go out into the dark in a 36-foot boat in the midst of a storm to find the Pendleton and to rescue the lost. They didn't have modern-day instruments, what we have today, so they had to navigate by what is called dead reckoning. It's a seaman's instinct to plot a boat through darkness, and in this case, in the midst of a turbulent storm. Somehow, miraculously, after an hour, they found half of the Pendleton. It would be a dangerous rescue. They only had a spotlight and there were no lights or signs of life on the ship. And they tried to get close, but the huge stern and the tiny lifeboat (coughs) got into a dangerous rhythm where the rising or, or falling of waves would make them soar high and then plunge rapidly and randomly, making it incredibly hard to get closer without crashing into it. They could hear the broken ship groaning and breaking as if it was about to go down, which would have been very dangerous if they were nearby. They could get sucked in. Then they saw some men, some arms, waving frantically on the Pendleton. But now the small lifeboat crew could not figure out how to get them down from the tall half of the ship that's floating and bobbing in the raging sea. But then suddenly, They saw a Jacob's ladder, meaning the men on the Pendleton threw over a rail and down the hull a ladder of ropes and wooden slats. They could see men desperately trying to climb down the crazy swinging ladder in the high seas to get to their lifeboat. And one by one, somehow they made it. They got into the boat. All were saved except the 300-pound cook known as Tiny. He had given much of his clothes away to his shipmates so they could be warm. And as Tiny tried to get down the ladder, he slipped, fell into the sea. He was hit by a big wave, hurled back into the water, and he drifted away. As they pulled the last man to safety, the Pendleton stern rolled one last time and sank capsized into the deep. Andrew and his three mates saved that crew just in time. The small crowded lifeboat with its 32 survivors and the four Coast Guardsmen made its way back to shore. Maybe we could have the next slide, please. People called Andrew Fitzgerald a hero, but he kind of shrugged it off. He didn't even tell his wife about it until two uh, years after they got married. When the Boston Globe interviewed him four years ago, he humbly said this great quote, it was three hours of work that we were supposed to do. Fitzgerald volunteered to do what he was supposed to do at great risk to his own life. So friends, when jesus came on christmas he came to show us his presence which we can still feel today through his holy spirit and he gives us his great power but it's not just for our pleasure but rather it is to use it to save others that is the purpose he has for us that's what we're supposed to do That's the purpose of our church here at Ko'olau, and that will be the purpose of our satellite in Kaka'ako. Now there are many here, maybe in this room, who are on the Pendleton of life, sinking, who need saving. For many of you, you're in a storm with great gales of wind and waves, and you need to know that Jesus does hear your prayers. He will not leave you stranded. And you're sitting here, some of you, with some hurt in your heart because your loved one died or your finances are stressed or some of you who love your pets who are like family, your pets are terminally ill or have died. Your body is hurting and for you or your loved ones, they're maybe some diseases that are just scaring the heck out of you. Have hope. Help is on the way. The Holy Spirit is here. And though your healing may not be as dramatic as Danner's, as shared in the Advent testimony earlier in the service, help is on the way. God offers you his peace and comfort. It may start just as a small spotlight shining towards you as the rescue boat was shining a spotlight on the Pendleton. But no, that light is the beginning of the light of the world, Jesus Christ coming to you, like an advent candle telling us that Jesus does exist. Now in a moment, we're going to have communion. And here's the twist of the Fitzgerald story that tells us the real meaning of Christmas is not only that we are to be like the Coast Guard for others, but the story of Christmas is that Jesus is the Coast Guard to save the shipwreck of our lives. What Jesus did was far more than what Fitzgerald did. Jesus saved us at tremendous cost to himself. It was as if He paddled up to our sinking ship, but there was room for only one person in the rescue boat. And he says to you, take my place so you can be spared and I shall die instead. Take my seat, take my jacket, get on the boat and I'll die in your place and I'll go overboard to make room into the freezing water. When Jesus came and was present in the rescue, he gave up his power. And his purpose was to sacrifice his life for us. And so when we drink that eggnog or sing that Christmas carol or celebrate Christmas at that party or open up that gift, please, pause and remember why Jesus came and what he did for us and on that night Jesus gave up his life for us on a sinking ship he met with his cabin mates so to speak in an upper room the apostles, other disciples and before they could batten the hatches for the tremendous storm coming he told them that he was going to die for them and that not only for them and for others, that they might live, but he wanted them to remember him and what he did. Before I give the final blessing, I just want to say that for some of you, the Holy Spirit may have stirred up some emotions and you want to pray with someone right after the service. And we'll have our prayer team in front of the Christmas trees in the corner and in front of the choir risers over here. And whatever your issue may be, they would love to pray for you, with you in confidentiality. And now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy
0: Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Jesus' purpose in coming gives us our purpose for living. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at forty-five five five zero 550 Kionaole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the brand new First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, you can call us at 808 808- 532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. Strength for the Journey is copyright 2018 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at